There's a clear theme that runs through all the readings that we have today. It's clear, it jumps right out. We don't have to work that hard to get at it. The theme is this, material stuff does not last. Material stuff does not last. Whereas I think my dad would say, you can't bring a U-Haul to heaven. Or as, uh, as someone told me after the 9 a.m. mass this morning, the guy who dies with the most tools wins. <laughs> That's the opposite, actually. The guy with the most tools loses, I guess. And this teaching, material stuff does not last. This teaching is illustrated by Jesus by talking about the ancient world's equivalent of like a business mogul or a big farmer or something like this. This business mogul, a guy who works hard, makes himself a little economic empire, builds up a big retirement for himself, gains a lot of possessions, so much so he doesn't have any place to put them all, and he gets ready for retirement. The problem with the man in the parable is not simply that he was successful at business, and that's not why Jesus brings, us to, brings him to our attention, and that's not Jesus' critique of him. It's not that he was successful or that he worked hard or just that he had a lot of stuff, but it was in pursuing all of those things and pursuing those riches and putting all that effort into his material security, he never made provision. He never made provision for the things that really last. He never made provision for his soul. In all of this, he never took concrete steps to store up treasure in heaven, to make provision for his soul, something that lasts. You can see this confusion even in the man himself, as he kind of has this little inner dialogue with himself that we hear about in the parable. By the way, I think that's uh, one of the things about Scripture that's so funny, ultimately. I mean, when we hear this guy talking to himself, he says, wow, look at all my stuff. What shall I do with this? Where shall I put it all? I know what I shall do. You know, no one talks like that, ever. And so it can sound a little ridiculous when we just hear it said aloud like that and kind of comical. But it's also the reason why Scripture is so profound. Scripture takes the, inner, the heart's innermost thoughts. Scripture takes the heart's innermost thoughts. Innermost, but rarely said aloud. The innermost thoughts that are rarely said aloud. And it puts it out there so that we can see it. Jesus, in his story, puts it out there so that we can see it. The deepest part of the soul where we're just alone with our thoughts and alone with God. By listening to this parable, we can see it, that dynamic. Now back to the man. The man in the parable thinks his main problem is, where do I put all my stuff? That's his main problem. That's what explains his life and his, and his actions. Where am I going to keep it all? He even has a kind of congratulatory tone with himself. Boy, look at it all. Look at my harvest. Boy, did I do great. Drink, eat, rest, be merry. The man in the parable is lost in his own thoughts. We only hear him in his dialogue with himself, talking to himself. Family never enters into it. And in fact, God doesn't even enter into it until God has to force himself in there at the end. The man only thinks about his own stuff, my barns, my harvest. Again, other factors never come into play. And only considering his own thoughts, only considering himself, the man in the parable forgets the bigger questions. 
He misses bigger questions like, what makes life meaningful? What really lasts? Or even in the midst of all his success, what do I owe in gratitude to God for my success? In only observing the duty to provide for the body, which is a real duty, by the way. Again, that's not why the man is being critiqued, and he's not why he's a bad example for us. It's a real duty to provide for our families, provide for retirement, provide for paying the bills. Those are real things. But he became so absorbed in it that he missed the bigger duties, like worshiping God. Worshiping God lasts. That's treasure in heaven. Giving gratitude to God. Giving gratitude to God lasts, and it continues in heaven. Now, in one sense, I think this message, even if it is clear, it isn't earth-shattering or surprising. I'm sure we've all heard it said in one form or, or another. I think it's said quite often. But it's still important. And it's repeated, as I said, in some way or another almost every day. Here's one example. When I visit with people, uh, visit with people, let's say, in their twilight years, or visit the homebound, or visit nursing homes, when I visit some of those people, what I always hear is, Father, I wish I could go to Mass. It amazes me and it humbles me. It sounds like I, like, elicit that out of them so I can use it for a homily or something, right? <laughs> a little self-interested father, you know? <laughs> but no, it, it humbles me. It's, it's what I hear most often. Father, I wish I could go to Mass. Or just this last Friday, someone said to me, Father, I look forward to communion, to the Eucharist, so much. I look forward to that. Now, mind you, these are people that have financial concerns in their life, to be sure, and they have physical illness, and they have loneliness, and all these stuff. They're, they're real people, and they have real suffering in their life. But they're, in the midst of that, there's a beautiful awareness of what truly consoles, and what truly lasts, and where they can turn in the midst of that. Yes, it's not an earth-shattering message, but it does happen every day. Here's another example. Just think about how this whole story gets started and why Jesus is even talking about this today. The whole story starts by this guy coming to Jesus and saying, Teacher, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Tell my brother to share the inheritance. That sentence, everyone, has been uttered millions and millions and millions of times over the years, I think. Millions of times over the centuries. Today would probably take place, more likely, in an attorney's office or in a courtroom. Judge, tell my brother, share the inheritance with me. The family business, the family farm, all of that stuff. Again, Jesus' teaching is not centered on irresponsibility. Jesus' teaching is not centered on a hatred for the world, or hatred for business, or hatred for big farming, or hatred for big grain bins, or hatred for entrepreneurs on Shark Tank, or something like that. It's not centered on that at all. Jesus' teaching, in fact, when this man comes to him and says, tell my brother to share the inheritance, Jesus doesn't even come down on one side or the other. He doesn't even say to the man, you're wrong, right? And so it's quite possible that the man who comes to Jesus asking for his share could have been treated unjustly. And his brother might have stole some stuff from him, 
might not be giving what's due to him. That's entirely possible. Jesus doesn't address it one way or the other. But Jesus does take it to a different level. He does take it to a deeper level. He says to the man, your life doesn't consist in stuff either way. Your life, to paraphrase and expand, your life consists in heaven. That's what lasts. Now, even if this part of the message isn't earth-shattering, I do think what St. Paul has to say is earth-shattering. It does change our perspective. It's not something we say every day. He repeats the same basic idea. Seek what is above. Put to death the parts that are earthly. But then he gives his reason. He gives his foundation for doing this. He says, for you have died. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Your life is hidden with Christ in God. That's earth shattering. Paul doesn't focus on, hey, get your act together. Or don't you know how useless stuff is? Or anything like that. Paul takes it to the foundation. His thing is the reality of baptism. His thing is your life is in Jesus. That's already the case right now. Yes, that will be the case in heaven supremely, for sure. Only will we have our life in Jesus and no earthly aspect at all, no material aspect at all. But even right now, right now because of baptism, eternal life already exists in your soul, says St. Paul. That's the gift God gave you in baptism. God united your life, your Christian soul to Jesus in a radical way. Paul says this is the dignity that is yours as a Christian. The Christian already has a heavenly dimension to their life existing in their soul, eternal life. Having faith in that reality, the reality of baptism, that's what makes life meaningful. Investing in that gift of eternal life existing in the Christian soul, making provision for that, that's what makes life meaningful. Faith that the Christian soul is united to Jesus even now, receives its identity in that reality, that's what gives life perspective. And that's what gives our daily work perspective. That's what gives perspective on our possessions and the provisions that we have to make for ourselves and for our families. This beautiful, simple, foundational fact. My baptized soul lives in Jesus already.